This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play. You gotta break your stomach. Go and scream real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta burn your stomach. And welcome to Inside the Yard. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold, a couple of Orioles broadcasters, talking about the team. Big show today. We got a young, powerful third baseman joining us here, Jeff Arnold. How about Rio Ruiz will join us in a moment? I'm really excited about this interview. There are a couple of good stories that I'd heard about Rio, and we all know he's a terrific athlete. He could have been a football player and a baseball player at USC, and he's been one of the most exciting guys to watch on the team this year. When the ball has come off his bat, it has sounded so good, and oftentimes it is gone over the fence. I mean, he's halfway to his home run total from 2019 and we're not too far into this. And then he's played some excellent defense as well. I mean, he had one play uh, in the Philly series where he made a diving pickup, was on the ground, shoveled it off and just rolled it over to second and got the out. It was one of the best plays of the year. So Yeah, he's uh, been terrific offensively and defensively. And again, you look at the age and you look at where the trajectory looks like and it should get Orioles fans excited because they have a few guys who kind of check those boxes I do want to ask you about Jorge Lopez, who Mike Elias picked up about a week ago and then activated from the IL a few days ago. He came on after John Means uh, had only gone two-thirds of an inning on Sunday. And you see the potential. I was uh, texting with our friend Jim Callis over the weekend about Lopez. Uh, Callis once had him at 59 overall on the Baseball America Top 100 prospect list. And, you know, stuff-wise, it makes sense. Uh, what did you see from Jorge Lopez, who pitched really well in relief on Sunday? I saw somebody who could possibly start games for the Orioles at some point. I mean, I, I think the role he is in right now is as a swing guy, and they certainly needed him yesterday. I mean, it was we all felt so bad for, for John Means and all the things that he's going through, and it was just a, a start where you, you weren't sure what was going to happen because he'd, he'd had a 12-day layoff. And uh, it's not easy when your first appearance with a new team is coming in the first inning. Uh, but Jorge Lopez gave you about everything he had, and he showed some good stuff. He got his fastball up to 97 miles an hour. Um, I think one of the things that he'll benefit from is that the Orioles uh, staff can really help him analyze what pitches work best for him and how he can utilize them and make himself a better pitcher because he has the raw stuff. He's just never been able to put it together. And if you look at some of the different people the Orioles have in their organization, uh, and we've, we've kind of seen it uh, with a number of players that, that you have on the offensive side, that there are guys that have potential and they can get things done um, sometimes they just need to be uh, given the right tools to do it. And sometimes they might need, might need to be just given the right information to do it. Um, and if you can do that with Jorge Lopez, uh, like you said, this is somebody that was once a, a highly touted prospect in the Brewers system. This is a guy that at one point almost threw a perfect game against the Minnesota Twins. Pretty darn good team. So he's shown flashes of brilliance. And let's hope that he'll continue to build off of what he did in his first outing against the Nationals. 
All right. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, really impressive, pure stuff yesterday. We have Rio Ruiz, and then we have our insider today, which is Melanie uh, Newman. So let's get to it. Let's get to Rio, Orioles third baseman. Well, joining us right now on Inside the Yard is someone having a terrific start to his 2020 season, Orioles third baseman, Rio Ruiz. Rio, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, guys, thank you for having me. Well, Rio, it looks like you're putting it all together this year. What's it been like for you personally to enjoy the success you've had offensively and defensively? Um, I mean, it's obviously been nice to get off to a strong start. Um, we still got a, a bit of ways to go to finish the season strong, and uh, I think that's everybody's goal to just continue the body of work that we've started with and, uh, you know, hopefully see ourselves in, in the postseason. Rio, from a mechanic standpoint at the plate, uh, what have you worked on to not only put more balls in play, but when you have put them in play, you've driven them over the fence a lot of the time? Yeah, I've just kept it simple, man. Uh, that's, as, that's as easy as I can ex- explain it. Um, some of the things that I've changed as far as, like, my stance goes, and, um, and, and that's really the only thing I have really changed, honestly, my stance. Uh, the swing's been the same. It's just the position that um, I put myself in is more consistent and allows me to be in a position to see the ball a little better. And, you know, when you see the ball better, you can get off some better swings. It's been well documented that they asked you to put on some weight and you went and did that. And everyone said it's, you know, great weight, as they say. One, how much have you put on as far as muscle goes? And how'd you do it? I uh, put on off season, I put on 10 to 15 pounds. Um, it fluctuated, you know, because off season, uh, it's just, it's just different. It's easy to, it's easy to gain. And then once spring training goes, you lose it within like five to 10 days of spring. So. Um, you know, I just got in the weight room, man. I, I got after it. And, uh, you know, it was a point of emphasis for me to put on um, some good weight this offseason, and I was, I was glad to do that. Rio, defensively, you've been very good this year. You talked about it in a Zoom the other day where when you maybe were drafted, being a good defender wasn't necessarily as high a priority for you as being a good hitter, but there was – maybe a, a moment or two where somebody said, hey, we, we need you to work on your defense a little bit more and be better. Uh, can you maybe take us to that moment where somebody came up to you and said, hey, Rio, we need you, we need you to be a better defensive player? Yeah, it was, it was actually my first year in AAA with, uh, with, with uh, my previous team, the Braves, and it was a, it was a teammate of mine. It was uh, Sean Kazmar, who, you know, is still one of my, you know, good friends and, and favorite teammates to this day. Um, you know, he just pulled me to the side and, you know, said, Hey man, we, let's work on the defense. Like, let's get better at this. Cause you know, you can play in the big leagues. And I think this is going to be a big part of all that. And, um, so right away I got to it and, you know, I haven't really looked back and I, I've taken tremendous pride in my defense and I thoroughly enjoy going out and taking ground balls and, and working and, and getting better and, and working on plays and, you know, ending it with some fun and, um, having having the tough plays hit at me and try to make those plays as well. I, I watch a lot of games this year with, with Mike Bordick, uh, who's a massive broadcaster as well, and also someone who played 14 years at shortstop in the big leagues. And he says, you have the best pre-pitch routine on the Orioles, the way you 
take every pitch seriously and you literally jump basically as the ball is coming. Uh, take us through that routine. Um, it's all timing. Um, for me, I, I, I look at the pitcher and I see where he's at in his windup and I go from there. And, um, you know, the funny thing is about the jumping, I used to jump even higher. Uh, but when I was with the, when I was with the Braves and Ron Washington, he, you know, we limited that. And, um, you know, now it's just like a little subtle, subtle jump and, and allows me to kind of be on time a little bit more consistent and, you know, my reaction's a little better as well. Ron Washington's probably seen as one of the best infield coaches in the game. Um, besides working with you on some of that pre-pitch stuff, uh, what were other things that you learned from him that made you a, a next-level defender? Uh, don't be afraid to use your hands. Um, at third base, uh, like a lot of places, is a one-handed fielding position. So, you know, the more I got comfortable with using the one hand and, you know, um, I guess lengthening my reach, you know, for backhands or forehands or balls that I needed to uh, create a short hop with, uh, that was like the point of emphasis with him. Just don't be afraid to use your hands. Your feet are going to put you in a position to get there, but your hands are going to, you know, pick through the ball and make the play a little easier for yourself. Interesting. And, and Rio, when you, when you look at, this team and Brandon Hyde has said this many times that there's some castoffs on this team. There, there are a lot of people who have been sent away by other teams, whether it's through waivers, DFA trades, what have you. And there's a little bit of an edge to it in that sense. Do you feel that? I mean, do you feel that this is a group with a pretty big chip on their collective shoulders? Mm, I mean, I think, I think it's good to play with the chip on your shoulder um, because it gives you an edge. It makes you want to get better every single day and, you know, sometimes it's good to play pissed off, to be honest. It's, um, you know, it's a different mindset when you have a chip on your shoulder and you, you, out, you go out there and compete even more so every single day and makes you want to, you know, just win even more. I mean, not that everybody doesn't want to win, but, you know, do whatever you need to do to win. Rio, you're getting an opportunity with the Orioles. Uh, before this, you are with the Atlanta Braves. And I heard this incredible story about how you had your major league debut. And I think you came into the batter's <laughs> box and you never actually got to hit. Can you walk us through the story of your first major league game? Because it's, it's, it's something that I, I had never really heard before. Um, walk us through that game and, and what happened and, and all the strangeness of it. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, um so it was raining all game. It was raining all day, actually. And, you know, the heavy stuff started coming later in the game. And I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning uh, where I got told that I was going to pinch hit for the pitcher. Um, and at that time, the field was already flooded. Like, you could see guys slipping. The mound was constantly being, um, you know, dried up and dug out and resurfaced, you know, every half inning. And, you know, I, I get – I'm on the on-deck circle, and, you know, it's my first big league at bat, right? And I'm pumped to get up there. I'm excited. My family's there, and, um, you know, they get to see this lifelong dream, you know, come true. And then all of a sudden, I start. I, they announce me. I'm walking up. I literally put one foot in the box, and Joe West calls calls the tarp crew or the grounds crew, and the tarp gets on the field. And, you know, I'm pacing back and forth in the clubhouse with my Evo shield still on, my batting gloves still on you know, wondering if we're actually going to play this game. And then sure enough, like two hours later, later they bang it. And I'm like, ah, 
dang it, man. Yeah, almost that close. Um, you know, but, you know, it's an experience that no one's really had. Um, it's unique, but, you know, I was thankful to get another uh, my first official at bat a week later in Miami. Yeah, that is agonizing. And, uh, Rio, you, you were a great high school quarterback, uh, so I've heard, and had an opportunity to, to kind of continue that in college. Uh, how good of a quarterback were you? Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask some other, some of my teammates and friends and all that stuff, but I can tell you, I could spin it pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I could throw the ball pretty well. I, I don't, my decision-making might not have been the best because I just trusted my arm and try to squeeze in some tight spaces, but, uh, I, I could sure spin it. And to this day, I still try to throw the football as often as I can. Growing up, Rio, were you more of a baseball fan or a football fan? Uh, growing up as a kid, I was definitely more of a baseball fan. Uh, but throughout high school, I, I kind of had a little bit I, – I was a little bit more in the football range um, or leaning more towards football. But, you know, on the health side of things, it, it made a little bit more sense to me and my family to choose baseball. And, um, yeah, that was – that was kind of the route we wanted to take and we decided to take and it all worked out. And you, you had an opportunity to play quarterback in, in college, correct? Yes. Had an opportunity. Don't know if it actually would have happened, but I had an opportunity to. Yes. Well, last one uh, for me, Rio is uh, when you look at kind of the age group of a lot of the core players for the Orioles right now, you, uh, Pedro Severino, uh, Hanser Alberto, Anthony Santander, when you look at everyone's kind of age group and, and your trajectory, how everyone's kind of improved a lot year over year, uh, where do you see this group in, in a year or two? I mean, is, is the sky the limit or is everyone, uh, you know, just going to continue down this path? Uh, how do you see that core group, the guys who are out there every day? I mean, it's, you know, it's not just the guys you mentioned. I mean, majority of the team is pretty much the same age, man. It's, yeah. You know, a bunch of 25, 26, 27, 28-year-olds just continuing to get better from the previous year. And I think that's evident right now. And, um, you know, yesterday seeing Pauly go out there and, you know, Tanner throw the ball well. And, you know, these guys from last year, um, you know, just, just, you know, pumping gas, man, just throwing stuff with conviction. And it's so fun to see. And, so fun to play behind man and, and just seeing everybody get better and continue to get better and you know see their see their just kind of the way everybody carries themselves now this year it's a, it's a confidence it's uh we belong here and, and we're ready to go man it's it really is fun to be around and you know everybody's everybody says you know when you see a guy with confidence you know your teammate with confidence is just you just build on that. You just build and build and build. And, you know, I think that's where we're at right now. Rio Ruiz, uh, that was a lot of fun. We really appreciate you jumping on with us on Inside the Yard. Yeah, guys, thank you guys for having me. It's now time for our Insiders segment, and Melanie Newman is with us right now to drop her knowledge on us about the Baltimore Orioles. And, Mel, uh, kind of an up-and-down weekend. Uh, certainly high drama uh, coming out of Sunday's game, but what was your big takeaway from this weekend? 
Um, I think the thing is, is that even when they have days where certain aspects of the team aren't contributing the way that you would hope that they would, there's still another side of it that's going to pick them up. So when we saw the bullpen not performing the way that it should have been, you know, starting pitchers really struggling, the bats came in to back that up. And consequently, on the other end of that, when offense wasn't exactly what they needed it to be, it seemed like there were still bright spots to look at on the pitching side of things. And of course, the last game with the Nationals, it, it came down to two walks that both came home to score and an unfortunate error on the infield. Um, so you look at it and, and you see all of the pieces, you just want them to get it back together to where all of the pieces are operating at the same time. To me, Pedro Silver has probably been the biggest surprise offensive player that the Orioles have had this year. I mean, the Orioles last year in terms of where they ranked among their catchers in wins above replacement, and OPS and a bunch of different offensive categories. They were at the very bottom of baseball. Now they're at the very top. How impressed have you been with Pedro Severino? I like that pick a lot because a lot of people have wanted to say, well, you know, we've got Hanser Alberto, and what about Santander? And I think both of those guys knew exactly, you know, we knew what we were going to get from them at the end of the day. That, that upward projection was almost expected. But for Severino to really come out and do what he's done and do it consistently – um, it's, it's been a delight to watch. And the thing is, is he's reading his pitches so well um, to where when he does put the bat out there, it gives him a better chance to really square it up. Uh, and I, I think a lot of guys can kind of draw off the patience and, and the way that he's reading stuff right now. I want to throw this kind of both of you when it comes to Santander. And you can say this as we were talking about with Pedro Severino and a few other Orioles who are in a certain age bracket. And as you mentioned, Mel, the trajectory is a certain way. But what are we talking about with Santander right now? I mean, where is the finish line for this guy? Melanie, you go first. I definitely think it comes down to the instruction that he's gotten. And I agree with Brandon Hyde, too, that, you know, anybody can be a better player when you get everyday reps. And that's what we're seeing from a lot of these guys, including Santander, is that there, there was no consistency. There was no everyday rep for these guys. Uh, so now that they're in that position to have that, they have the coaching behind them and the confidence to combine all of that together. That's what you're seeing right now. Um, I would love to see him continue to develop both at the plate and out in the field. I, but I really think what we're seeing right now is, is what you can expect from him for a long time, which that in itself is enough to be happy with. Right. If you ask me, I think you're looking at somebody who's a future outfielder for your team or somebody that can maybe be your designated hitter as well. You have to remember Heston Kerstad is seen as a possible outfield of the future. Same thing is true with Ryan Mountcastle as well. But when they picked him in the Rule 5 draft a couple years ago, I saw him play in the Carolina League, and he was a really good hitter and a really talented player. But still, somebody coming from A-ball and then going to the big leagues the next year, I was like, really and and, and so it, it was amazing to me uh when he went up there at first and held his own and then last year Brandon Hyde said I don't even know who this guy is and he then came up to Camden Yards put some good numbers together they moved him around in the outfield and this year they they found a spot for him in right and I think he's at the point where he's starting to realize what parts of the strike zone he excels at the most and when he's gotten pitches in those spots he's crushed them and he is somebody I think could be at the top of the order for a really long time because I think there is a lot more ground for him uh, to discover. And I think he's only starting to uh, tap the iceberg in what he's capable of doing. All right, Mel. Also, I know you're doing a lot this week uh, with the uh, Women's Empowerment Series uh, for the Orioles. Tell us about that. 
The really unique situation that we have celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and the fact that we have so many amazing women who are in leadership positions in the Orioles organization. So we've kicked off the series and it's actually going to continue on for a while because we started talking to women like Jennifer Grandal, who are obviously leaders in our organization and not only how they're trying to change the way that sports are because they're, I think, the biggest magnifying glass on women's rights is in the sports industry itself. Um, and it just sums up what we've seen overall in this country for the last 100 years. But now we get to take it a step further and we get to talk to women in the community who are leading and changing things for Baltimore. And it's just been a really awesome, uh, uplifting experience to be a part of. All right. That's our insider segment. Melanie Newman, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Tony Newman and our insider segment, and we were just talking about this, Jeff. Anthony Santander, all 25 years of age, she's played in 160 big league games, okay? And it's hard to believe because he came up with the club after being a Rule 5 selection in 2017. Mm-hmm. 160 games right now in the big leagues. He has 28 home runs. He's slugging 461, and that's obviously impressive, you know, over a full season as, as it stands. But if you look at his last, I don't know, uh, 150, 100 and so games. I mean, this guy is mashing the baseball, mashing it. And it just sounds differently. His current trajectory of this season, and then if you were to extrapolate out to 162 game season, we're talking about a guy with 45 or so home runs if, if this were to go on its current pace. Yeah, I think it would continue if we were playing 162. I mean, the way that you're seeing the, the guys on offense produce. I think it's sustainable. I think it's going to continue. And Santander is squarely in the middle of that. But you you know you're going to get a certain number of runs a game. I mean, you're averaging over five runs a game, and you're playing in a a brutal division, and you're facing the National League East, and you're facing some really tough pitching. And let's let's go back to it, the guys that the Orioles have faced. You've seen Garrett Cole. You've seen Blake Snell. You've seen Tyler Glass now. You've seen Zach Wheeler. Yesterday, you saw Max Scherzer, who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the course of the last decade. And – the Orioles keep putting good at bats together. And even if they get into a five, one hole against Max Scherzer, it isn't over. I mean, that that's just what's so exciting about this team this year, the power that they're hitting with and the offensive production that they've put up. They're taking really good at bats and it's not just guys at the top of the lineup. It's guys at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, I think Pat Blake has put together some of the, the better at bats on the team and he had a lot of hard hit balls over the weekend. They just happen to be outs. Um, so th- there's a lot of positives to take away from, from how this offense is producing right now. And Santander, if you're, you're thinking about guys to be excited about, I mean, from offensively, he's, he's number one on the list for me. Now, I agree. Now, how concerned should the club be about the four walks this season, 19 walks the last season, just 29 walks in about 630 major league plate appearances? I mean, obviously, it's a point of emphasis right now. Brent Hyde talks about it every time he talks about Santander. Uh, but – to, to me, yeah, you'd obviously like him to walk more and to know the strike zone better and have more play discipline, but you can live with it if you're slugging 620. Right. I don't think he's ever going to be a high walk guy. That's never right. going to change. Uh, but look at the other night when his RBI streak came to a close. What did he do in two of those plate appearances? He walked. He, he got on base. So I think it's just for him knowledge of where he excels in the strike zone. And if he gets a pitch in that spot, then let it rip. 
And when he's done that, he's, he's done a really good job. The only thing you don't want from him is even if he's not going to walk, you just don't want him chasing pitches that you know he can't do anything with. So I think that's the balance you need to strike. I think that is a, a fair assessment. All right. Uh, big week for the Orioles, a long homestand. Uh, we have uh, – it's going to be an interesting uh, – the Buffalo Blue Jays are, are, are in town, so – Is that what we're calling them? Is that – I'm going to have to – we're going to have to ask uh, our, our buddy Ben Wagner, who does uh, broadcast for the, for the Toronto Blue Jays, when we talk to him later today, uh, to see – to get a ruling on the Buffalo Blue Jays. But, yeah, the, the, the Blue Jays uh, in Buffalo this year, they couldn't play in Toronto. The, the government wouldn't allow it. And they tried to find a bunch of different homes, and eventually they – uh, realize that our only option is to go to Toronto and play or to go to Buffalo and play at the Blue Jays AAA facility. But yeah, first look at, at the Blue Jays. They've got some uh, exciting young pieces, kind of like the Orioles. Uh, their bullpen's been really good. Their defense has not been so good. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what's in store for us over these next few days. And then the struggling Red Sox in over the weekend. That does it for this edition of Inside the Yard. We're back on Friday for Jeff Arnold. I'm Brett Hollander. Have a great week, everyone. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.